A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The boyhood dream has come true. can really be myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face talk about your psalms talk about john 316 austin 316 says i just whipped your ass on the Holy Classic Road Review is the other Cultaholic lads uh, are recovering from probably a pay-per-view that's still going on from AEW in full gear. Uh, we are here via our Ica-powered DeLorean in all our gear talking about 1996, the year that was for the World Wrestling Federation. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, TNA ring announcer, Tom Campbell. I am with the Clive Fuck of the football world and the Jack Yolando of the wrestling world it is liverpool's own jack atkins jack how you doing uh hello tom uh it's uh, talking of liverpool's own it's nice to have zach gibson officially back as well uh, uh, I know. Ra- around these parts we keep our shoes on for gibson because we respect a true scout hero that's what we do <laughs> there's a ticket for north for you if you want to come and see him in newcastle Oof. it's he lifts the I'll, I'll drive down <laughs> Just jump in the boot with him you'll be fine <laughs> How are you, Tom? I'm doing all right. I don't like you giving away that this is the third take. I saw you, and if you're watching the video, you'd have seen Jack Atkins holding up a number three, the digits. I was just giving my love to the triple threat. I was that's... being Shane Douglas, of course. Well, of course, that's what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, the first one was a genuine error. Second one was a, a, a logistical error because I'd booked a studio that wasn't free. So then I had to uh, leave work and come home to see the cat and do the show from here. So here we are. If you're watching on the Patreon, uh, you're once again with both of us in our respective isolation stations today. Mm. And uh, in other news, in, in going home, um, I realized I got a hole in my shoe, dear Liza, dear Liza. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's chucking it down with rain. I think I've got a trench foot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, you stopped, uh, you know, in a shop on the way home and treated yourself to a lion bar, but no, apparently no. not. I treated myself to trench foot instead. I mean, tis the season and all that. It's the season of trench foot. Yeah. I believe trench foot should be the name of a, a town in a horror film. Ooh. Welcome to trench foot, though, Imondo. You don't go up that, don't go in that castle up there. You'll get filmed if you go up there. They'll put you in a horror film up there. Yeah. Anyway, that's anyway. a that's a cough that you've got there. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm I am obviously a man of 
steel, not Superman, literally made of steel, impervious to pain. I've been concussed so many times, and although it started to affect my memory, I'm dead yet. But give me any slight semblance of a cough, and I can't shake the fucker for weeks. <laughs> it's just one of them, so... It's yeah. I'll just be grumbling in the background, but I'm all That's right. That's fine, sir. Grumble away <laughs> as we go back into the humble year of 1996 for the Cold Hollow Classic Raw review. Thank you for joining us for Survivor Series '96. Uh, always lovely to sit and do a full watch. Admittedly, we were both quite tired when we watched it. I listened back to a bit of it and went. Oh, we sound proper tired this <laughs> week. Like we both sound like we're pushing through, like we're climbing up a mountain at points. We, we we were tired, and my laptop, which I've had for nearly eight years, so I've got my money's worth out of it, sounded like it was going to take off. So at the weekend, <laughs> I just went and bought a new one. So um, today we shall be, obviously, we've got Pep back in our step. Tom's got trench foot. I'm now in <laughs> HD, so you can see all me frowns. Do you have a that. lovely camera? Yeah. Really nice camera, that. Yours is a, I think, I, I don't know whether I need to put some settings on mine, but yours is a much nice camera, though. I mean, I've got, like, a little lock. I don't know why I'm pointing, like, anyone can see it me, but if you follow the trajectory of my finger on Patreon, behind there, there is a little light. Oh, you've got a ring light. Mm-hmm. Oh, your it's, ring. It, it's for my ring, yeah. <laughs> I've got a meringue light. It's not very, <laughs> it's not very bright, but it's delicious. <laughs> bit like bit like me, really. But Ooh. anyway. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get into uh, the Raw that follows Survivor Series 1996 in a minute. The fallout from all of that. New champion, Steve Austin, is no longer a good hand in the mid-card. Uh, he certainly kicked his way all the way through there. And other things happened as well. But let's take a look at the boring real world, first of all. Uh, for November 18th, 1996, number one movie in the UK. Still the First Wives Club. Okay, okay. Uh, number one movie in the US. It's a brand new one. It's Space Jam. Oh, oh I know, right? I would have assumed that would have been a blockbuster rather than going just before the Christmas market. Nope, they whacked it straight in just for the Crimbo market. Uh, now, it's it's a movie that dates back to 1992 mm. where Nike and Warner Brothers teamed up to do a shoe advert with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. And off the back of it, uh, movie director, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Nike executive producer, sorry, uh, Ivan Reitman uh, had a meeting uh, with several movie directors based on the possibility of having a movie based on the Warner Brothers and the Michael Jordan crossover. There was uncertainty from Warner Brothers side of things because they genuinely didn't think that Bugs Bunny was relevant anymore and didn't think that a movie based on Bugs Bunny would do that well. Uh, However, the Nike adverts featuring Bugs Bunny proved otherwise. It went on to become one of the first ever productions to be shot in in a virtual studio. So these are, they're, they're pretty commonplace now with the Marvel movies and all that stuff. This is where they paint an entire room green and an actor has to act his head off around uh, about motion trackers and random extras playing what will be animated characters. Um, and it was something that was really exciting at the time. But upon reading that and learning about that, I remember um, Ian McKellen talking about acting in the Hobbit films on a virtual studio and just how depressed he felt in the whole process because he was doing all this acting but he couldn't really bounce off anybody and it was he said he just felt the whole experience very uncomfortable and it was not a nice time to do it and it's a you know as a movie buff yourself sir i can imagine that the the rise of the virtual studio is something that you would 
rather have never happened. Yes, um, especially when it comes to Peter Jackson, the lazy fucking bastard. <laughs> um, I get that you can't have an actual moving tree. Green screen that fucker in, by all means. Could you not have Ian McKellen on an actual fucking set? <laughs> Build a hopper house. Jesus Christ. Ian McKellen. Yeah, it's... Oh, uh, and obviously, again, like in Space Jam, Bugs Bunny, I'm afraid, isn't real. Uh, so you need to have Michael Jordan there doing his best, you know, trained actor Michael Jordan doing his best against nothing. But I am a stickler for practical effects. I'm a stickler for actual being on location because that can't date and it can't age within like five years of Lord of the Rings coming out. Obviously the big set pieces still look amazing, but you can see the joins, you can see the cracks and that's just my thing. But when it's unavoidable. I quite like that as well though. Yeah. Where you can see the wires a little bit. I don't mind it. <clears throat> oh, you, you, you. But getting back to Space Jam though. I like the fact that Warner Brothers were presented with this opportunity and just went, oh, no, kids don't really like Bugs Bunny anymore. And it's like, yeah, but they love fucking Michael Jordan. <laughs> it's the, this film's not about Bugs Bunny. It's about Michael Jordan. That's Bugs how Bunny, you make it's Bugs Bunny adjacent. Yeah, that's, a, that's how you make Bugs Bunny relevant again. You have hang out with Michael Jordan. Now, yeah. the film itself wasn't, you know, it wasn't a... a a masterpiece in the in the way that you would judge films, but generally, like Siskel and Ebert and a lot of like the New York Times, all gave it plaudits for being like this is just a lovely family film, and it yeah. looks incredible for you know for nineteen ninety six. The way that the the animation and the real life stuff all merges together for the time looked in, it looked and it still looks great now. And the fact you got just Bill Murray turned up as Bill Murray, I'm all for that. <laughs> he was only meant to be in that golf scene. But he insisted on doing more because he wanted to work on a virtual set and see what it was like. He insisted on being in it more. They went, ah, fuck it. We'll put Bill, we'll put more Bill Murray scenes in. Well, I, I just like the line when he turns up to play as well and Schwachhammer just goes, oh, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this movie. Yeah. It's, like... <laughs> it's a great film. Do make time yeah. to watch it. Not the sequel. That's less memorable. I didn't bother with the sequel. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. It tries really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it uses the Warner Brothers IP to, to its full extent, but just tries really hard. That's not what we want. We, no. we, we want low rent Space Jam. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, Rob's, <laughs> how about this for a contrast? The duality of man. Number one in the UK, Rob's and Jerome, what becomes of the brokenhearted? Mm -hmm. Number one in the US, Blackstreet, no diggity. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Duality of man. Uh, this week in the video game world sees the release of Acclaim's title, WWF In Your House. Mm. Uh, a, a sequel, a successor to WrestleMania, the arcade game, which was created sort of around the time that Mortal Kombat Mania was all the thing. And uh, this one took it even further. Uh, obviously, you still had that. You had a Mortal Kombat style of gameplay as opposed to a wrestling style of gameplay. But instead of it being uh, super realistic to sort of wrestling and the ring setup, you, you fought in magical and mystical places. Like you would fight in a crypt if you were against The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels had a nightclub that you fought in. Stu Hart's dungeon was one of the places in the game as well. Uh, and it was just completely over the top 
bollocks. Yeah. Uh, and and I, for one, I'm all about over-the-top bollocks. Undertaker would shoot skulls. Shawn Michaels would shoot hearts at you. It was, it was over-the-top. It was silly. Didn't particularly perform very well. Um, it got 5.6 and 4.6, respectively, on GameSpot out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, it says it's about 70%, which isn't too bad. Game FAQ uh, reviews are mixed. Most agree that it is a poor sequel to WrestleMania, the arcade game, but the graphics are nice, and it has commentary by Vince McMahon and Mr. Perfect. Yeah, we had this. We had this for the PlayStation. Um, this is when I was starting to become aware of wrestling again, uh, and I... <laughs> I can't remember playing it much, but I remember farting around on it and thinking it was quite fun and being like, Goldust, who's that? He's a bit strange. Um, <laughs> just that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, good times. I am also, I'm happy this week as well, because when this, when we're recording this is the 14th of November, 2023, and we're, we're talking about Raw from November the 18th, 1996. I like the fact we've kind of like synced up. It's quite nice. It's completely by accident as well. Yeah. Yeah, completely by accident. We haven't tried to. There's just been a few weeks that we've missed, and it just so happens that we are nearly exactly a year ahead of us. You know, all these years perfectly ahead of ourselves. Yeah, that will, lovely, that will change. That will change. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, to, so that's the boring old real world. Um, I've got a recap of superstars, which I'll do in a little bit. But okay. the 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 more exciting wrestling world and the headlines that lie therein. Uh, we head over to our very own oratrice mechanique Danelise Cardinal of professional wrestling, Jackie Orlando. That was lovely, though. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. So, of course, these are all my notes, and I haven't lifted these from the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated November 25th, 1996. Um, because, you know, if I was writing the Wrestling Observer newsletter, I wouldn't call Psycho Sid, Cycle Sid, as he called it. <laughs> At least twice in this newsletter, he's called Cycles. Cycles. Just covered in reflective gear and a little tiny helmet on top of his noodly hair. Would you say he's a spokesman? <laughs> oh, he's done it. Get out. Talking of spokespeople, another <laughs> change of plans regards the situation with Kurt Hennig. So Kurt Hennig met and agreed to terms with Eric Bischoff late the previous week and then no-showed his scheduled WWF television appearances, live wire and superstars, as well as bookings for house show in Buffalo and Cleveland, where he's meant to come to Hearst Helmsley second. Now, we touched on this. I think you touched on it during the uh, retro reaction that Hennig was meant to be part of the Survivor Series show, but he's buggered off to WCW. So with the no-shows ahead of time, WWF probably figured Hennig was WCW-bound. Had Jerry McDevitt, super lawyer to the McMahons, sent out the basic legal threats regarding tampering since Hennig was still under contract. The WWF was under the impression that Hennig was going to debut on the November the 11th Nitro, similar to Lex Luger, although those in WCW insist that was never the plan. They were aware that he still had an active contract and his debut wouldn't be until February after the expiration of his deal. As the week went on, apparently Hennig and McMahon had at least one phone conversation in which everything apparently was settled, or at least that's what those in the WWF WWF were of the impression of, he's used of twice there. <laughs> by, by late in the week, the belief was that not only would Hennig return for Superstars and Survivor Series, but he'd also sign a new big money contract with the WWF as a wrestler. However, when he no-showed a personal appearance on November 16th and the pay-per-view, WWF went, ah, he's gone, hasn't he? Um, 
Now, Dave's gone into speculation mode saying there must have been major underlying heat between Kurt Hennig and Vince McMahon to not only jump ship to WCW, but also to burn McMahon and the WWF on two consecutive weekends and a pay-per-view on his way out the door. And the story going around at the time is he had no interest in returning to the ring. You've mentioned this before. He had one of those infamous Lloyds of London policies, and he was... Very short time away, according to Dave, from getting a $300,000 lump sum payout. But WWF were just like, go on, Kurt, get your singlet back on. And he was like, no. And they like, do it. And he was like, oh, you fucking arseholes. So um, the, Dave uh, alleges that that could be the reason that Hennig's told him to fuck off and just jump ship to WCW. So probably- even by leaving, that he could still get that lump sum. He could still get that lump sum, and I'm sure I've read somewhere that if he didn't get that lump sum, he kind of had an agreement in place with WCW to say, okay, I'm waiting on this lump sum, but if it doesn't come through, give me the 300 grand and I'll wrestle for you, is what I've heard. However, how spurious that may be, we don't know. But yeah, uh, Kurt Hennig, he's out the door. He's out the door, Tom. No, we hardly knew you. I was intrigued as to where this was going to go because they kind of... They 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 fast tracked the Hunter Hearst Helmsley Mr. Perfect thing after months and months of fucking perfect gathering for his wife mine. We yeah. never got the payoff there. I wanted to see like a room just full of former valets, like yeah. all just hanging around eating pasta. We never got that. But we and, and then it was like the moment that he had, you know, proved it was a setup all along with Mark Marrow, my my favorite trope in wrestling. Here's a really elaborate journey to something. Oh, it was a setup all along. I've predicted every emotional reaction from you. It's a Paul Levesque classic. I fucking hate it. Uh, it was like the moment that happened, it was like, and bye bye, you're done. Kicked you to the curb. Thanks, bye. Which makes me think that this was meant to go on a little bit longer than it was when we saw it on, on TV. And they just went, he's gone to fucking spin it off, pretend it never happened, which is a shame. Yeah, because uh, yeah, um, a little spoiler alert for later in this show, there's, as far as I, I recall, as we're completely wrong, there was no sign of Triple H on this week's Raw, so we don't know if he still has uh, his wives with him. We don't know if someone's <laughs> replaced Hennig yet, but we do know that someone will. But someone will before that's someone that you're thinking of. Oh. Mm. Is there someone before someone, you say? There's a someone before someone. Mm. Talking of someone, Survivor Series was a success in most people's eyes, as Hart Austin, with tremendous hype leading up to it, lived up to expectations. By carrying through the tremendous work he's done building the match in the ring, Austin pretty well has taken a major step in the past two months into being a wrestler who should be on top for years and pigs may fly, Tom. He's just oh. a good hand in the mid-card, isn't he? I mean, I know we give Meltzer shit for getting stuff wrong, but fucking <laughs> nailed that, hasn't he? It's, you know, I, you know, I, you could argue a broken clock is right twice a day, mm. but he's right. <laughs> yeah, he's nailed yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted at this time how big of a star Steve Austin would become. Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, watching at the time, and, and, and do let us know, classic at cultaholic.com, if you're watching at this point, forget everything that you know now, watching at this point, watching Brett and Austin, where did you see Brett, where did you see Austin landing, like, on the card in general for the for the foreseeable future? Like, not, not based on what you know now, but in that moment, if you were watching then, where did you see Austin landing classic at cultaholic.com do tell mm. talking of people landing yeah <laughs> uh, it's better triple... be about a pilot if i'm if it's not i'm furious 
Um, Triple A's pilot, Antonio <laughs> Pena. He's spoken. He's spoken more with Vince McMahon about the WWF using AAA talents in the 1997 Raw Rumble, and he was reportedly at the Survivor Series. So we're not long from the 1997 Raw Rumble here in November 2023, but we are. We'll 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 see. Anyway, uh, <laughs> quick one, for, quick one from Dave here. There's hey, a- incidentally, just very quickly, incidentally, if um if they do end up getting AAA talent to go and do stuff for the rumble i'm sure antonio penna will explain the rules of the rumble to all the talent involved yes especially some legends obvious th- of the game yeah. yeah i know it's an obvious thing to say and i feel silly saying it but i'm sure he will all i'm saying is i hope the latin lover turns up and receives a monster pop uh, <laughs> he would in my house <laughs> Talking of monsters, there is a better than 50% chance that Charles Wright, a.k.a. Papa Shango, will return. So we'll have a look and see if he does. Oh, we we talked about this. I'm sure we did. No, it might have even been on the classic Smackdown review where there was conversations around like 1999 and two or, or oh no, was it 2001? Maybe 01 about Papa Shango coming back. Like, so it's that gimmick that never quite went away. Yeah, but Papa Shango, Papa Shango, even though, you know, he kind of fucked his main event run, he was always cool. I love the character. I would yeah. not be cross at a Papa Shango cameo. I'm just like, I'm surprised so many Halloweens come and go and we don't get a Papa Shango appearance. Yeah, we, we get the occasional Godfather. I'd even be open to a Godfather turn up. Oh, <laughs> I love that. You've got access to Karma, the Supreme Fighting Machine, the Godfather, and Papa Shango. Which you want the good father? Yeah, of course I do. Good Sensible father. Jack Atkins is my name. <laughs> Mind you, Ivory um, did a, a, a right to censor uh, return in the Rumble recently. She did the Ivory thing, which I thought was a, was a, was well received. But we're, we're we're still waiting for that Bull Buchanan return. That's all I'm saying. Well, his son's involved now, so surely. We should have a we should have a father son moment. His son calf Buchanan. Um, <laughs> would you like play the outro? We're done. <laughs> would you like some Randy Savage news, mate? I fucking love some Randy Savage news. Well, oh some... yeah, I'd love some Randy Savage news. Oh, snap snap into Pepperami. Snap was, into uh... a dreamy stick, which was next to me on this table here. Oof, I, I, I knew you were having a delicious lunch, Sam, but that's even more delicious than I envisioned. <laughs> like a lovely dreamy meat stick, because I went to give Pablo some dreamies and realised we'd ran out of dreamies, but I realised as my hand was already in the dreamies cupboard, so he sat there going, ready for my dreamies. I'm like, oh no, I haven't got any in here. This is terrible. I can't turn around and not give him anything. So at the back of the cupboard, I found a dreamy, meaty stick. So he's had a stick stick instead. So he was placated. I couldn't break the boy's heart. <laughs> Could not break the boy's heart. He's been so good lately. He's been on arthritis medication lately. He's fine, yeah. but we were, we were recommended by our vet to, um, they came around and gave him some, like, give him a check over and they gave him some stretches. And, um, and there was this one particular stretch they did. We'll get back to wrestling in a minute, I promise. So like, they just they they stretched out my cat. Basically, the vet did. There's a proper vet. It's not just like some some nutter that just turned up. And went, Hello, I'm a vet. Like he got a checkup. Got he's got weighed and all that stuff. 
uh, got called a lovely chunky boy, which he was probably livid about, as I would be. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> He's a lovely chunky boy. What? Fucking. <laughs> you got him, Jack Atkins. Um, they, 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 they checked his front paws. He was fine. And checked his back left one. It was fine. And they just gently pulled on his right one. And he went, Rah! and I was like, ah. And so they went, oh, okay. It's a, it's a tiny bit of uh early early on it could potentially be a bit of early onset arthritis for him hmm. he's fine he's gonna live many many happy years but it would it would work it behoove him if you give him some of these arthritis tablets in his tea on an evening so you just break them into his tea well he's a big he's a big climby boy isn't he from what i'm led to believe so. oh he loves he loves a good big climby he's got these he, he runs up and down his cat tree all day long so i'd love him to do that for many many more years so i was like we've yeah. got to start We've got to start breaking these into his tea. And I think initially he was a little bit unsure about it. He's like, no, give me tablets, you prick. Um, and then we swapped him out for some some healthier cat food, which, of course, as you know from having cats yourself, uh, he's gone, fuck that shit. Give me the fucking <laughs> McDonald's food again, please, Dad. Thank you. Mm. Give, me the, give me the cheap stuff with real jelly. <laughs> I was like, no, you've got healthy, fresh chicken now, like, like free-range chicken, all nicely prepared. No, I want McDonald's, Dad. None of this arthritis medication on the top, you pricks. I hate you. Whenever we need to give any tablets to Poppy, we have to uh, get cheddar cheese in for her because we've realised <laughs> if, if we put a tablet in a piece of cheese for her, she'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so your cat's okay with cheese then? Like a little, a tiny bit of cheese. Yeah, she, well, he's, he's not really too arse, but Poppy will fucking eat anything. She tried to steal, she tried stealing my pizza last year. I've got video evidence of that. I've seen her eating crisps. Um, (laughs) She's a bin. She's an actual bin. Pablo ate a bit of cheese off the floor the other night because we made cheese toasters and there was a bit of cheese on the floor. And then, and he went over and he ate it up. And I was like, oh, we can't let him do that. I was like, he, he was a stray cat. He's eaten out of the bin for months. He's fine. <laughs> Let him yeah, have a bit of cheese. Iron constitution. Yeah, exactly. Be good for his system, I'm sure, to have a little bit of cheese. Not lots of cheese. Anyway, uh, so as we were saying, where were we? We were talking about Randy Savage. Randy Savage. <laughs> Famous cheeseman, Randy Savage. Famous cheese-loving cat, Randy Savage. So apparently there were talks with Randy Savage and the WWF. We've gone over on previous episodes that he's covered to the end of his WCW contract. And obviously with Hogan on top, he's probably thinking, that's exactly what it says in the Observer. Yeah, he's from from Devon. Um, (laughs) Apparently WWF and Savage were far apart in terms. No talks are going on any longer. The feeling is that the WWF are so fearful of raids that the only one guys that they can sign to three to five year contracts and the feeling is that savage may help in the short run because of his name but his guarantee would be so high and they wouldn't want him on top for so long that it just makes no sense to sign to a big deal uh but also they don't want him on tv for one year and then have him go back to wcw when the deal is up either so they're just like ah yeah this doesn't work for his randy we can't see you still being good for five years and he's like i'll be i'll be good for another three so so was this wwf finally acquiescing to the idea that savage could still go yeah after vince mcmahon deciding that he couldn't even though he fucking could he clearly fucking good because he's randy savage fair play to savage and i i believe that this deal meant that savage got more money from wcw as well oh god oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah. a good time if you're on top at this point in 96 you're just making a shit ton of money if you're the right person 
And my clairvoyant powers are saying that he's going to work with with DDP apparently, and it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be really good. They're going to they're going to have a lovely time together. They're going to have a lovely time. Someone else having a lovely time though. Tom is uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's WCW himself now, but he did call up Vince McMahon recently to explain the situation with him leaving, apparently saying the reason he didn't call before showing up in WCW is because it was supposed to be a secret. And obviously, <laughs> as we'll see for many years, Roddy Piper, the door will be open for him in the WWF. I love that so much. You see, Vince, you see, it was meant to be a secret. <laughs> yeah, but you tell your employer that you're leaving. Not if it's a secret. Not if it's a secret, you don't tell him. And not if you're Roddy Piper, a man who could somehow wear a white shirt underneath a pink shirt, underneath a leather jacket and make it look kind of cool. It's only him. Only yeah. he can do that. So we go from the WWF, we go fully to WCW. And an angle went down this week, which I'm sure yourself and Sam, the the ex-shredditor, I think he still is the shredditor, but no one calls him that anymore. Sam, the Death Valley driver, uh, will go on to on the classic Nitro review. But on this week, because it is it is monumental, November 18th, 1996, Eric Bischoff turned heel and joined the NWO. So, I mean, bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> bloody hell is right, mate. Bloody hell. We haven't got to it yet, but of course we will, and we will lament on it no end the uh it's so interesting going week to week how the how really the nwo angle sort of started coming off the rails far sooner than yeah. than i even thought it was it was yeah. possible but i also uh, i also think that this gets overlooked because i've been doing I've, I've been doing some digging on bischoff recently for a project um, if you haven't put it together by now you never will and there's no hope for you um but I think it's mad that with WWF eventually win the Monday Night Wars, spoiler, and they've kind of rewritten history in their own image. Everyone forgets that Eric Bischoff was the evil boss first before Vince McMahon. Because mm-hmm. I've seen this week online people chattering about the devil in AEW and some people saying, oh, it should be Tony Khan. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, ripping off Mr. McMahon. And a few people saying, yeah, but McMahon ripped off Bischoff and Bischoff probably ripped off something. Nothing is new in wrestling, so don't worry about it. I mean, technically... Vince McMahon may have still beat Bischoff because wasn't Vince McMahon like the evil WWF owner in Memphis? Yes, he was. Yeah, it turned up with the uh, USWA title around his waist, being a, 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 and he is obviously he's a shoot heel. Let's <laughs> let's say that as well. He is a shoot <laughs> heel. So potentially, but like you say, the, the everything everything old is new again. Yeah, and uh, I thought you know I wouldn't worry too much about people going oh they're copying WWF. Ah, well. Everything good. Wrestling is wrestling, honestly. I do hope it's not Tony Khan, not because, you know, it's a copy of anything. I don't care. You know, if it's something's good, then do it again and put your own slant on it. I just don't want Tony Khan as a heel man, as a heel authority figure. I think he, no, I I don't, I think, I think he, uh, he struggles with delivering announcements, clearly Mm -hmm. not his bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, So certainly don't give him anything with any need for acting chops. And I say that with love. I don't say that as a dig. I don't say that as a slight. I know some people on platforms like this would use it as a chance to like, if I can go to town on Tony. Now I think on the whole, Tony Khan is a big wrestling fan who's booking to the best of his abilities. And sometimes it's right. And sometimes it's very wrong, but sometimes it's very right. But don't be an authority figure. Certainly don't do that. At least that. 
no, 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 no. I'm happy to be wrong. If he turns, comes out, if, if it ends up being him and he's brilliant at it, then Douglas Adams, I'd rather be happy than right. <laughs> Imagine if it was Douglas Adams resting in peace. <laughs> I made the I'd love it if it was Douglas Adams. Who saw that coming? I thought he was dead. Not even a, res- not even a wrestling fan. <laughs> he just writes sci-fi books, but he's the heel. I made the point on the podcast, which I was on on Friday uh, with the lads. Um, I said, what if, it, what if, why are we asking who it is? What if it's just the devil and that's just his face? <laughs> like, why are you asking who's under the mask? This is my face. It is I, Lucifer, the morning star. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just Lucifer. Like, why are you asking who's under my mask? It's my face. That would be terrifying, wouldn't it? Because it'd be like, oh God, hell's on earth now. This is the end of days. Absolutely. Well, the last paper is called World's End. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, mm. so the devil is now signed to All Elite. Talking of devilish activity, do you want some ECW news? Oh, as always. Right. So this past week, we've just had the November to Remember 1996. Dave was there. I think he had a lovely time. <laughs> um, I'm only mentioning it because this is, I, I, I like a bit of ECW. It's, uh, it's no secret. And a classic ECW moment went down at, at this show because, as we've mentioned many times on, on the podcast, although this is gearing up to the hottest point of WCW versus WWF, ECW are hitting their stride now as well. And at the November to remember, we finally had Taz and Sabu face off. And before they locked up, the lights went off, which a personal favorite of mine. And we also had the debut of the Blue World Order. So here we go. What a night that was. So out of the blue guy. Before November to remember went down, uh, in a speech before the show to the wrestlers, Paul Heyman said he'd signed a contract to do a pay-per-view show in either March or April 97, although he never gave a date. Uh, Later, he said it wasn't definite they would do a pay-per-view and would have to make a final decision this week, but he was leaning in that direction. So So this will become barely legal? This will be barely legal, April 97. And that's going to put ECW on the map, good Mm. and proper, if they're not there already. Talking of someone who will find his feet in ECW, but is currently floundering. In MMA news, Bam Bam Bigelow fought on the inaugural U Japan show against uh, Kimo and obviously got absolutely annihilated, but he did last over two minutes. So fair play to Bam Bam. Good effort from Bam Bam. Something that you forgot had a little dalliance of an MMA run. Yeah. And uh, against the man who was the uh, inspiration behind Karma, the Supreme Fighting Machine. So, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the best of efforts, but you know what? Bam Bam uh, had a go. I mean, yeah. Like CM Punk, he had a go. He had a go. you gotta, you got to respect that. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get punched in the face by Kimo, not at all. What if uh, there was a really big bag of money for it, though, Jack Atkins? Yeah, I probably would. Um, here's, well, here's half a million. Go fight Kimo. I'd probably do it for... A grand and <laughs> a Twix. Like, <laughs> yeah, go on. Just don't, just don't break anything. And we're I think I, I think I do it for, I think I do it for twenty grand. Yeah, at a minimum, because I know then that will, at the least, that will, that will, that will completely cover the wedding and then have some left over. Yeah. So if you are uh, an, an MMA promoter out there, uh, I, I would like twenty grand. It would. <laughs> pay for my wedding and as long as i'm alive for the wedding i don't think alex would mind and if there are any eccentric billionaires out there i'll just accept just a fat stack of money for no reason i mean <laughs> <laughs> you got to at least offer to fight or just get beaten up uh no, no. <laughs> just 
just give me some money just, because just, just give me some money. You I won't even say thank you. No, I won't even acknowledge you. I'll just I'll just buy a gold tooth and be on my way. <laughs> so I've got one last little bit from the the newsletter. This isn't news at all, but this this tickled me. So if you want if you want a financial advice, they go to newsletter reader Chuck Mullen of Munhall, Pennsylvania, who wrote in saying, and I quote. I'm positive WCW will lose money this year. <laughs> so, uh... <sighs> God love Chuck Mullen, who sat there and went, <laughs> I know what I'm going to write to the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Fetch me my quill, mother! It was part of a longer piece of him saying that. He, he thinks that WWF is better and that, you know, obviously... It, he was just saying how much he likes the WWF. He's not convinced by the WCW's new... Uh, direction but yeah he he uh he's positive they'll lose money this year uh whereas in fact they will go on to make a lot of money so <laughs> swing and a miss but that's god that's, love yeah that's all the newsletter should we get down to the 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 beef and tomatoes of the podcast that oh, fuck <laughs> we will get to the beef and tomatoes but first of all here's some poppadoms and a nice little bit of dip because I've got a little recap of superstars for you. Oh, he has. He has an all. It was the night which was which was on just before Raw and just before Survivor Series. So this was really nicely put together. And I apologize. I should have probably included this in our Survivor Series retro reactions, but it never crossed my mind that they would do it this way until I watched it for preparing for this. So it's an episode of Superstars that was taped about a week ago. About a week ago, a week ago, but it's interlaced with with clips and live inserts, at least it seems, of the preparation for Survivor Series. So they're in Madison Square Garden as the rings being built and as the stage is being built and Doc Hendricks is down there on the floor chatting about like, oh, what's coming up for Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden. We have an interview with Shawn Michaels and Vince, which is just in the in the seating on the on the one side uh it's also here where they have that chat with rocky maivia uh for the first time i really like this because it's again it's that thing that wwf does so well of making themselves look far bigger than they actually are because to the untrained eye this was wwf having two shows at the same time it was having two shows in two different locations with sold out crowds on both nights and it was just and it was just a nice little touch they did just to spice up what was pretty much like the warmed up cold cuts as justin henry would say of a of a superstars taping uh on the night we had jesse james beating the good uh, Shawn Michaels' chat with Vince McMahon, as I've said. Billy Gunn beating Sparkplug Holly fairly soundly. Owen Art and our boy Davey, man, uh, beating Frank Stiletto and Tony Williams in a, uh, in, a t- in a non-title match. And Mark Henry beating Crush in a tug of war. Oh. They had the... They're, they're, they're in the ring. You had the big, thick <laughs> rope. You had, a white, you had a white line drawn in the middle of the ring. And they had a good old tug in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Mark Henry and Crush... And Mark Henry was tugging off Crush and like and pulling it. He was pulling, <laughs> was pulling Crush, pulling Crush off towards. <laughs> and Crush was annoyed that Henry was, was was tugging him off. So all of a sudden, here comes Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And then he jumps in and goes, hey, oh, give me that. I'm going to pull him off. <laughs> so Crush and Helmsley are tugging off Mark Henry in this tug of war. And Henry's 
giving it all. He's tugging them back. And then here comes Gold Dust. He grabs on as well. All three of them are tugging Mark Henry off. Even Clarence Mason has a go at tugging off Mark Henry. But to no avail, because Mark Henry manages to finish by pulling all three of them off at the side <laughs> and winning the tug of war. <laughs> I never thought <laughs> we would reach a new <laughs> lowness of brow on this podcast. What do you mean? I was talking about a tug of war. I don't know why which, you... Which why... is popular at fates and school <laughs> plays, I don't know, all across the land. Who but... loves tugging off? Yeah. In the tug of war. So that uh, so then, okay, so back to the wrestling. Uh, afterwards, uh, Goldust, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and Crush all beat up Mark Henry. Like they all put the boots to Mark Henry and they're, and they're feigning like, oh no, Mark Henry might be hurt after that, which mm. writes him off Survivor Series. I thought you were just going to make another wank joke there. No, nah, <laughs> no, nah, all the wank jokes are done. He's, he's spent, he's just on the ground, exhausted after tugging three men off and all three men just beat him, beat, beat on, beat him. Um, they beat him, bless him. Um, and then Mankind beats Don Parton in the main event of Superstars. So that's Superstars. <laughs> Good old superstars. Good old superstars. Uh, on to Raw we go. Mm. Uh, before Raw started. So this is like a bulk taping. I think we get like three weeks worth of Raw from this particular night. So we have a dark match, which is Glenn Ruth of the Headbangers beating Brian Walsh. We then get pretty much all of next week's Raw taped. Yes. And then we go live for this week's Raw. And then there's a few more matches afterwards, which will be either the Raw after or some bits for next week's Raw. They kind of mix and match it suitably random so people can't really guess what goes where and when. Yeah. Uh, and we open, and this is, uh, we open immediately with the fucking good hand in the mid card. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his music hits, his brand new music hits. He walks down to the ring. We were meant to get Austin versus Vader here as like a battle of the tough guys type deal. But, um, Vader got injured at Survivor Series off that Uranagi from Yokozuna. He's done his shoulder in, so Vader's done for a little bit. So Mankind has stepped into the fray instead. And just as we find out that it's Mankind, he comes barreling down to the ring and attacks Austin from behind to start the match hot on the entrance ramp. Hundreds of referees and even Tony Gurria all attempt to split up Austin and Mankind to no avail. Vince is maniacally shouting that we have a new WWF champion we'll hear from later in the night, but he's too distracted by the carnage being caused by these lads to really sell the show. It doesn't matter. I am sold on Monday Night Raw anyway. Austin rolls into the ring and it officially starts the match, but almost immediately Mankind and Austin are back out of the ring again. Uh, Mankind tries to hit Austin with a chair. He gets it hoofed into his face. Mankind gets hoyed over the barricade at one point as well. It's just <laughs> fucking what he nearly lands on his head, doesn't he? He go he, he that's Mick Foley, what do you expect? But he goes there at 200 miles an hour, shoulder first. Oh, so, oh it's, it was it was rough. I had to rewind and watch this and all the crowd screaming and oh what a way to start. We get back in the ring and Austin counters a manable claw with a low blow, mm -hmm. and we go to our first break of the night. Fucking wild start to rock. Oh man. Um, this match is a veritable scrap that ends when the executioner 
Terry Bam Bam Gordy comes barreling out to attack Steve Austin and save mankind. They double team on him briefly, but here comes the new look leather-bound Undertaker who sends Bearer's Angels packing. Austin says thank you by clotheslining Undertaker over the top rope. And these two have a rather tasty stare down to end this opening segment. I've put here the wildest start to Raw I've ever seen. Cue Jack Atkins banging on about the Attitude Era starting early. I mean, bit has, hasn't it? What can you say? <laughs> how does how does Raw start this week? It starts with glass shattering and people popping as Austin comes out to brawl around ringside with mankind. It's a very attitude era way to go. What did you think yeah. of this? What did you think of how Raw got started? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, I want I want to say as well, as it starts, the arena looks big as well. You can see that the crowds are starting to get a bit bigger, a bit bigger. Um, but this was really good. The thing I found interesting about it is they've firmly established that Austin is a tweener. Because for a start, you've got him against Mankind. He was meant to be against Vader, who are both out-and-out buddies. He's getting cheered. He's getting chants. He's getting... Everyone loves him when he, when they finally started the match and he starts stomping a mud hole on Mankind and the people can't get enough of it. Uh, the stuff with Undertaker at the end, really hot opener, like you said, really intense. And by putting... Austin with Taker and to a lesser extent Mankind, he's further embedded into the main event scene. And it was just a home run. Really was. Uh, I hope Vince McMahon resists the urge to turn Austin babyface hearing the pops. Vince has always had a history of when yeah. people start getting cheered, he immediately makes them these, these sort of white meat baby faces. You can do not do this to Austin, you coward. Do you do not dare? You leave him alone. You let him. You let him breathe. You let him cook, as the kids say. Let him cook. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise he'll be cross. singing "Kumbaya" and having an acoustic guitar, and everyone will, <laughs> everyone will love that. They love that too much. They can't have that to two thousand and one. Uh, Ahmed Johnson is in the crowd. Go on. There it is. <laughs> He's brought uh, a cheap seat, bless him. Uh, the the Jim Ross on commentary says he's ringside. He's nowhere near ringside. They have to zoom in to find his seat. He's going to watch the Nation of Domination and what they get up to. Ahmed, Ahmed shakes the hand of the person he sat next to, but then proceeds to look very grumpy for the rest of what happens next. Here comes Sunny. She introduces her dear friend, leader of the Nation of Domination, Farouk. And this is the first time on Raw we are seeing the Nation of Domination that debuted on Survivor Series last night. We have PG-13 out first with their rapping styles. We are the Nation coming live and in colour. Don't diss the man or we'll bum rush your mother. Listen what I'm saying. It's for real, not playing. Farouk is the man. Hit your knees and start praying. Got power like a bear, but quick like a cat. But two and two together, feel your face on the mat. You'll count the stars while the ref counts three. Hope you like to look at ceilings, because that's all you're going to see. We are the nation of domination. He's harder than a rock and he can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you want to get dropped. The boys from the hood are on the MIC, spitting out their ice, spitting out the rhymes. It's JC Ice and Wolfie D. Clarence Mason is the boss, crossing T's and dotting I's. He tells the truth, the whole truth. He never tells a lie. I pledge allegiance to the nation of domination. One nation under Farouk, liberty and justice for no one by any means necessary. I thank you. <laughs> All the while, Farouk has a plank. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But that was lovely, Sam. That was, that was wonderful. He does have a plank. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Nation of Domination very briefly. Um, I, in researching, I've been a wrestling fan all, pretty much all my adult life. And I love when I sit and do these and I learn something brand spanking new. And this is something that I didn't know. What do you mean you didn't know? Shut up. I don't know everything. Leave me alone. Uh, and I like learning new things about wrestling. So you might know this already, and that's great. I didn't. I love this. I messaged Jackie Orlando, and I said, I can't wait to tell you what I have learned about the Nation of Domination today. <laughs> so, yeah. Go on. Hit me. Hit me. So the Nation of Domination, uh, obviously inspired by the Black Panthers, the most influential Black movement of the late 60s, without a doubt. But before the version that we see on WWF, there was essentially a pilot version in the USWA. Okay. So they this was something that was being run throughout 96 in the USWA. The original members of the original Nation of Domination, okay, JC Ice, mm-hmm. Wolfie D, who were already established in USWA, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Clarence Mason, mm-hmm. okay, Queen Moesha, aka Jacqueline Moore. Okay. Mm. Sir Mohammed, aka Mo from Men on a Mission. <laughs> okay. Elijah, aka Fantasio, the magician wrestler from yeah. 1995, the guy who yeah. made the rest pants disappear. Yeah. Bracus. Bracus. <laughs> and Sh- Shaquille Ali, aka. Tracy fucking Smothers. <laughs> we are the nation. I like the fact then that this confirms that Tracy Smothers is the only person to have been a member of both the Nation of Domination and the Full Blood of Italian. <laughs> That's class. Absolutely love the bones off of this version of Nation of Domination. I, yes, I, I'd, I'd like to see that USWA version. Uh, I like the fact that Mo was in there as Sir Muhammad. That's pretty cool. Uh, and they and they have the Nation of Domination music, yeah, as well, which is even cooler. So if you watch, if you go, if you Google USWA Nation of Domination, you can see some clips, and they have got the. I don't think it has the Nation of Domination bit in it, yeah. but it's the music from the Nation of Domination. But it's JC Ice, Wolfie D, Jacqueline, Mo. Fantasio and Tracy Smothers and Brackus and Brackus, <laughs> fantastic. I, uh, so I was go on. Say, I, I'm, I'm happy as well that we're, we're at this um, stage of the WWF where we have the Nation of Domination because I do like as much as you know the, the nation's great and what it'll evolve into and the fact that people are still calling for a new Nation of Domination 25 years on or whatever it's been. Um, these early days when you say that there's the, the Black Panther influence and we'll get more of a kind of Nation of Islam influence of men in suits and bow ties. I like the kind of, there's just unnamed members of the nation. Like when the Dark Order started in AEW and it's hinted at that there's hundreds of these fellas, but these are just like the ones at the forefront. I like that. I like world building. Yeah, and it's great because like some of the sort of the no names of the nation, which we will see in the weeks and months to come, some will go on to have very successful wrestling careers outside of being no name mentions of the nation. There's one of them. That's right. Yeah. Old wobbly head himself, D'Lo Brown, debut <laughs> via the nation of domination. 
Big Liverpool fan, D'Lo Brown, so he's all right with me. <laughs> uh, Ron Simmons, who had been who had stunk the joint up as a gladiator in a blue helmet, not his fault, uh, was approached about being part of the WWF's version of the Nation of Domination, uh, which would, as we say, be heavily influenced by the Black Panthers, uh, to which I wasn't there, but I imagine Ron Simmons would go, fuck anything, Jesus Christ, please. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, brilliant, let's do it. I'll, I'll do it yesterday. Uh, so it's Ron Simmons as this group that was now the now going to be built around him, <laughs> and this is the the first the you know, sort of the, the the first outing on television for the Nation of Domination. I'm glad that we did all of that bump to talk about it because the match is very little to write home about that we see. It is Farouk versus Savio Vega. Uh, Savio starts strong against Farouk, arm drags, flips out the corner. Uh, Sonny on commentary for this one, not officially a member of the Nation of Domination, but sort of feels like a uh, there or thereabouts, because she's putting them over strong, just sat on comms with Jerry Lawler. Um, I, I like the fact that, yeah, they, they acknowledge that her and uh, Farouk have a past, rather than just being like, oh, I've never met him before. She's just like, oh, yeah, we're still mates. Just whatever. Yeah, good luck to him. I like that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We get a picture-in-picture picture during the match of Ahmed Johnson looking grumpy. Like if you took your mum to see a blue comedian. <laughs> it just keeps cutting to him. He's just sat there in a Survivor Series cap, just like, want to slap someone really hard. Am I the only one that found it particularly funny that he was wearing a Survivor Series cap? Because Survivor Series was yesterday. <laughs> he and... just was to turn up and be like, give me something for free. Like, <laughs> oh, you can have that. Do we not have an Ahmed hat? <laughs> not yeah. wearing our. There must somewhere in the cupboard, like the old Ahmed Johnson logo that he had. There must be one yeah. of them somewhere. Give well, the man I, an Ahmed hat. I, I know some some of the one of the uh, bootlegging sites have just done Ahmed caps because I was contemplating one because there's a there's a healthy bootlegging scene with wrestling t-shirts, obviously because some of the stuff that's either long out of print and like 
people like Ahmed Johnson might be like, yeah, I, I, I could never get a hold of an Ahmed Johnson t-shirt and I don't want to spend £600 on one. So there is a healthy scene for it. But I do know someone has just recently made Ahmed Johnson caps. But unfortunately in 1996, apparently not. <laughs> Boo. Boo. You cowards. Uh, a rather uninteresting match, I'm going to be honest, gets spiced up when Savio and Farouk nearly die. Ooh, um, yeah. So they go up top for a, for something, and Savio's looking to superplex Farouk, but it seems like Farouk loses his balance and falls back a little bit, and in doing so, both tumble to the floor. Sonny lets out a scream on commentary, because obviously this wasn't planned. Vince yeah. McMahon puts over like, oh, the, the, the hard-hitting action you'll see in the WWF. We know they're fine, because they both tumble to the floor, do not sell it, immediately get back up and get back in the ring and carry on fighting. <laughs> and Farouk looked fuming as well. But yeah, like you said, the, the shriek from Sonny, she was like, oh shit. Because Farouk especially takes a tumble from this. It was looked really horrible. Looked yeah. horrible. Uh, this match ends shortly afterwards uh, when JC Ice cracks Vega with the two by four plank. Uh, behind the rest back, it gives Farouk the very cheap win. And as soon as the three count goes down, here's Ahmed leaping the barricade, beating the shit out of PG-13, and then send Farouk and Clarence running for the hills. Ahmed gets on the mic and cuts an Ahmed promo, which has been <laughs> a miss on this here program. Uh, but he blames Farouk for laying him up for months and then gets the crowd chanting, you're going down to end the segment. I really liked all of this. Um, I was a bit more complimentary of the match than you were because at one point, um, Farouk hit Savio Vega with an All Japan backdrop driver right to his neck. So obviously, I quite liked that and went fucking hell. Um, I think that but, on comms, were they like, "Oh, is he hurt?" I, I'm sure Jim Ross was yeah. was showing some concern, like outside of just calling the match. He was like, "Is he hurt? Is he hurt?" Like, because yeah. it looked bad. Because Farouk, aside from, I want to say, the match with Mark Merrow from a few weeks back, he's not looked great, but he was. this was still a ploddy match because it's Farouk versus Savio Vega, but he was getting more moves out there, his nice spine buster, uh, some suplexes from Ron Simmons. But the the heat already of the nation is good, and Ahmed is still over like fuck. Him shouting, you're going down repeatedly, I thought, worked well as a trope. And the fans got involved, and they're just itching to see these two fights. I think they've done really well with it. That's you are far more confident. I mean, the whole the whole dressing up of Farouk and the feud with Ahmed, I'm into. I just the match didn't set me on fire, but I was yeah. certainly a big fan of all the stuff around the wrestling on this occasion. Yeah, everything well, else I was not bothered with. And sometimes that's the most important part, isn't it? Like you said, if, if we're coming out of this saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait for Farouk versus Ahmed, even though that would probably be horrible. But it's 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 a win, as the kids also like to say. Apparently. The kids love a win, apparently. They love a win, yeah. Uh, the Karate Fighters tournament's going on. I kind of hope this would have been done at Survivor Series, but apparently not. Uh, <laughs> Bob Backlund versus Sonny today. Jerry Lawler likes Sonny twisting the knobs. That's a good joke there about a Ooh. penis. Um, they they have the match and they throw to Calf Albert. Now, I want to say thank you to, I think, the 50 messages <laughs> that we got on Classic at Cultaholic.com explaining who Calf Albert was. Your, as you did a thumbs up there, Jackie Orlando, did you see that? A little thumbs up bubble appeared on the screen. No, it didn't come up for me. When you do that, I did just then, when you did it, it did a little thumbs up bubble came up. Sorry, I got very distracted by technology there. <laughs> Jackie Orlando did a thumbs up and the Zoom 
<laughs> As you cough there, a little a little sickness bug appeared. No, it didn't. Oh. Um, sorry, I got distracted there like a, like, like a good old man. Um, yeah, so the Carve Albert joke, which we've said we don't quite get. Is it, a, is it a pun on somebody we know in wrestling? So thank you to the 50-odd messages that I got about it. Uh, Pat Bear, I've picked your message out at random. So thank you very much indeed. It says, Carve Albert is a parody of Marv Albert, an American sports announcer who was known as the voice of basketball. He also called other sports like American football, ice hockey, and tennis. He was a lead announcer for basketball on TNT. In the late 90s, uh, he got accused of several counts of sexual assault uh, and was uh, he pleaded guilty to misdemeanor assault and battery charges, 12 months suspended sentence and ended his broadcasting career. Pat says, you asked for an older American fan to write in with his info. I'm happy to do so. I am slightly older than Tom. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you. Let's not sack Thanks, Pat. Pat. Thank uh, you, Pat. So that's who Carve Albert was. He was a... <laughs> He was a broadcast. He was a he was a voice of basketball. <laughs> I'm, I'm not laughing at the the crimes of Harv Albert there. I'm laughing at a dancer. Anyway, I've been listening to uh, season three of Alan Partridge from the Oast House. I've not listened to it. Oh well, mm. it's there's actually and and I real I, for a while it was just kind of it was just like a nice little Alan Partridge add on, but it's actually I'm at a point now where it's it's changing the Alan Partridge law. Like like there's new there's new bits to the Alan Partridge storyline being oh. told, new new mm. elements of the story being told through from the Oast House, and uh, for that reason, it's very much worth checking out. Ooh, I'll have to listen to. It. I did just listen to Steve Coogan on Main Menu with. Um, Thingy Gamble, Ed Gamble and... Joe Lysett. No, not Joe Lysett. No, no, it's not Joe Lysett. Oh, uh, Acast, James Acaster. James Acaster. Yeah, and that was Steve Coogan just going, oh, well, oh, oh, so. And it was lovely. <laughs> it was very nice. So. Sometimes Steve Coogan becomes a bit Alan Partridge, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Yeah. God love him. Anyway, Sonny beats Bob Backlund in the Karate Fighters tournament, and Bob is livid. The tournament continues. Hooray! Thanks. I'm um, interested, though. I am interested you? because in the semi-finals, we've got Sonny versus Sable. We've got Sid versus Mr. Perfect. Oh. So Sid gets a buy. Yeah, probably. I reckon they'll give Unless they've taped it already. Uh, no, Chances are they've already taped it. I think they've already taped it, but if they knew they were going to make Sid world champion, surely they were going to put him in the final of the fucking Karate <laughs> Fighters tournament. <laughs> to lose to Sonny. <laughs> That'd have been brilliant. Um, backstage, Sid is weightlifting ahead of an interview with Jim Ross. This leads... <laughs> He's just getting ready. Weightlifting in his full gear with the title around his waist, looking at Jim Ross like he's about to fucking eat him. I love him. I love Sid. He's so good. Uh, we get a recap of how Sid won the title 24 hours prior. Of course, we saw um, we saw uh, we saw Shawn Michaels' mentor uh, Jose Lothario getting involved, and Sid hit him with a camera, uh, or at least did he hit him with a camera? No, did he? No, he didn't hit him with a camera, did he? He he pushed him off the apron and gave him a heart attack. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, he hit, then Sid hit Shawn with a camera. But despite having a heart attack, according to, I think this was it according to Jim or Vince, that uh, Jose, he refused medical attention, didn't go to hospital, and just went home. Great, great. <laughs> heart, attack, heart attack just cures itself. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What, am I a wuss? If I was having a heart attack, I'd want medical attention. Yeah, you're a wuss. You just need to go over and run it under a cold tap. And you're all right. <laughs> run my heart under a cold tap. 
Oh, that's better. Oh. Sean Michaels then gets spoken about by Vince McMahon in, in a really peculiar way. Mm. So Vince almost writes a love letter to Shawn Michaels here, putting him over as one of the toughest champions ever, one of the most charismatic WWF champions of all time. He says he dances, he has long hair, he's a ladies' man. Mm. Uh, Vince, however, then says, whilst all that is true and he's a hit with the ladies, after defending his mentor last night at Survivor Series, Shawn Michaels proved that not only is he a ladies' man, but he's a man's man too. Now, mm. the Observer kind of makes a point to say that this was Vince trying to put over Sean in the wake of a lot of booze that he got from Madison Square Gardens crowd. Yeah. Trying to sort of make make sure that everybody is cheering Sean again, first chance they get. Yeah, it's we've seen this from WWF throughout the years. Um, for me personally, I always think Shawn Michaels works better as a heel because for most of his life, like Vince McMahon, he was a shoot heel. Um, but obviously... Like we're saying here, some of the hyperbole coming from Vince, calling him certainly the most charismatic champion in WWF and the most flamboyant, forgetting that previous WWF champions include Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Um, <laughs> never mind, you know, Buddy Rogers. Um, well, he proper went in on the charm offensive here. And I did like the way that they did it as a kind of piece to camera just at the commentary table, because I do like it when the commentators talk direct to the camera. But he was laying it on thick. And yeah, it was, yeah, like you said, Vince McMahon trying to course correct, but we'll see how it goes now. We'll see how that goes. Uh, what follows next is possibly the most random trio I have ever seen walk down towards the ring. Uh, Leaf Cassidy, Bob Sparkplug Holly, with Lou Albano flanking them. Um, they walk out together like they are a tag team and a manager, but this isn't the case because as they get in the ring, out comes Doug Furness and Phil LaFun, their opponents, but Lou Albano is somehow still behind them. <laughs> I didn't realise when when um, Alan Bob came out, because I heard Marty's music, I assumed it was Marty with them hobbling because he'd hurt his ankle, but yeah, it's, it's Captain Lou just not knowing where he is, is it? I think, so Lou was meant to come out and do something on the Spanish announce table, and I think they just completely fucked up his timing. He was either meant to come out before everybody else got out to the ring, or he was meant to come out after every other team had come out. But he sort of came out during Bob Ollie and Lou, uh, Bob Ollie and Leaf Cassidy's entrance, so yeah. it looked like he was managing them, but then when Doug and Luke, Doug and Phil came out, he was still behind them, so obviously he'd sort of hung back and hid off to the side, and then scuttled around and went to the announce, the Spanish announce table for a chat as the match got underway. A very weird, very weird entrance here. It, it, very weird, because like, like we were saying on the um, uh, on the Survivor Series watch along that uh, Leaf Cassidy is just Al Snow now. He's got the handlebar mustache. He's got the hair tied back. And this was the first time. You do your town in, a, in his pink Cadillac. And, yeah. <laughs> on Raw, this was the first look we unwittingly got at the job squad as well. Indeed, mm. first sighting of the job squad before ever a job. Well, they'll do plenty of jobs, but they'll lean into it properly in a couple of years' time. Uh, but this job squad reunion is happening, or, or union is happening, because as as Jack Atkins said, Marty Gennetti has uh, has done him done his ankle in, and yeah. we won't see him on WWF television again for for decades now. <laughs> He's yeah, done. I remember when he came back because I wasn't watching it at the time and one of my mates in school was just like, oh yeah, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels' old tag partner came back. I've got it on video. I was like, 
get me that video. I'm going to be cousins. It'll get me mates around that were watching the Rockers. So, <laughs> what uh, a time that was to see those boys. But it might be in exactly the same ring attire when that return happened. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for our children to be talking about that in years to come. <laughs> when, we, when we hand them the classic Raw review to continue our legacy, because <laughs> we will be dead. Uh, the match is underway. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be dead. Uh, Doug and Phil, uh, obviously, they're the, the stars of the time. And it's interesting on the superstars, they mention Doug and Phil, just Jim Ross, and he talks about their history in all Japan. Oh. So a nice little nod to all Japan on superstars. Uh, but as the matches get underway, we go backstage to Bulldog and Owen Hart. They were impressed with Doug and Phil, and they let their guard down at Survivor Series. Owen is pissed about losing to them and says it'll be different next time with the titles on the line. I don't know whether there was a timing issue, but like Bulldog and Owen were cutting this promo and Vince was just going, yep, okay, yep, right, okay, good, yep, let's go. It was Owen kept rambling because he's Owen Hart and he cut an Owen Hart promo and said the same point 18 times. Because at one point, like Owen, Davey just says one line, gets gets through it fine. Well done, Davey. Uh, then Owen has his line and Vince goes, and Clarence Mason, and Clarence Mason goes, hey, and Owen just keeps, and just, you can see Clarence is just trying to jump in all the way through and he finally gets his words out and then Vince goes, right, fuck off now, we're going back to the match. So it was just <laughs> Owen going on for far too long. Uh, the crowd, not, I didn't think the crowd were massively into this unless no. I'm mistaken, which is a shame because Doug and Phil are really good. They are, but obviously they only debuted the night before. They haven't had vignettes or anything on Raw anyway. They've just had, I think their picture was shown once and they're both really good in the ring, but they're just, if you don't know who they are, they're just two blokes in blue undies. They need mm. something. And they haven't even got a team name. They're just Doug and Phil. Or in in the ring, solid, solid as a rock. And they win with a. I've put here, was it a chicken wing suplex? Yeah, I think so. It's I've not like seen that. anything like it. Yeah, and and this was just after Al um, hit a dragon suplex or got hit with a dragon suplex. They were just busting out suplexes like it was Taz, uh, a suplex shop, suplex king. Yeah, Taz. his so famous suplex, suplex king, all that. Yeah, his famous ECW moniker, suplex king. Suplex king. That's <laughs> Fucking chicken wings and suplexes and kings, bastards <laughs> earlier. Why are you all getting into my, my line of work? I'll see you in court. Uh, <laughs> tennis court will do. Uh, Clarence, Clarence, oh no, Clarence is, Clarence is going skiing that weekend, so I'll, I'll represent myself. I need to establish a motive. <laughs> Turns up with a barrister's wig and a gavel. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I'm judge and I'm defendant and I win. So fuck off. <laughs> a judge, jury and an executioner. That's yeah. me, bulldog. Oh, oh. Twat. <laughs> Tell us why you're shit. Go now. <laughs> why just... Okay, so the defendant or the, the, the victim, what were you... <laughs> why did you fucking steal my business, you slag? Go. I've got it here on a bit of paper that says this business is Davey Boys. It's none of your business, you business bastard. <laughs> I wrote down Burger King on this. I wrote down <laughs> Suplex King on this bit of paper and I sent it to myself with a copy of that day's Wigan Advertiser. <laughs> so you know I've not cheated. And as you can see, it's it's dated from last week and the front page is our top getting in trouble for smashing up a bookies. <laughs> 
Tom Billington, another bookmaker's destroyed by Tom Billington. You know, I got Tom front cover three times. <laughs> front cover of the newspaper. Yes, that's ours <laughs> now. Love him. I have to say that, I really hit me. You let me, me really hard and it hurts. <laughs> he does his punch where he hits you right in the kidney. I hate it. So if I don't bring him a Snickers to have with his cup of tea. I'm sorry, we're still calling weighing. it Marathon. <laughs> I got you one of them runner bars, Tom. <laughs> I'm going to run away. Oh, From you, Tom, you, you mentalist. <laughs> Where's me change, Davey, you little shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I haven't got his tabs. He's going to be well mad. <laughs> I spent all the money on balloons. <laughs> Turns out with balloons. I thought you like him, Tom. <laughs> You've been so sad lately. <laughs> you know, I thought we've been a miserable fucker. <laughs> what this guy card going missing? Ah. <laughs> oh. That image of, uh, and I talk about it on the podcast, so that image from that documentary of Tom Billington in his front room with the TV on, it says, please insert Sky Card. <laughs> it just has something so deeply sad about it that I can't shake. The sad life from what was, by all accounts, a very horrible man. So. <laughs> that's, the, that's the book you're writing about it. The sad life of a very horrible man. <laughs> Could be so many books. <laughs> could be a podcast series. The it sad could... life of a very horrible man. Episode one, Jack Atkins. <laughs> We're in the middle of the woods as we see, as we seek out million dollar lottery winner Jack Atkins. <laughs> We're following a trail of half eaten voles to <laughs> to this river site. <laughs> be quiet. He's over there washing his undies. <laughs> They're sharpening his nails for another kill. <laughs> Start fighting like Gollum. <laughs> I like the idea you just sat there washing your unders in the brook and just looking quite sad and someone comes up to you and you just go... <laughs> Fuck off! Oh, look out, he's a biter. <laughs> Nobody leaves a Jack Atkins search without flesh wounds, at oh. the very least. Jack Atkins, he will break skin, guaranteed. <laughs> Speaking of breaking skin, uh, Doug and Phil do that with the, the random combo of uh, Holly and Cassidy. <laughs> Uh, en route to maybe getting a title match at some point. A title shot, quite possibly. Yes. But we come to the main event of the evening of Money Night Raw, which is we're hearing for the first time from the brand spanking new WWF champion, Psycho Sid. Cycle. cycle Sorry. Sid. Cycle Sid. Successful Cycle bring, Sid. Bring, 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 Comes out on a little kid's bike. Whoa. <laughs> Stabilizes on and he's still wobbling. Who's the man? Whoa. <laughs> he got a big reaction. And I will say this for Sid. We often talk about how certain wrestlers like look with certain belts. And I think Sid with this, with the winged eagle gets overlooked, but he looks fantastic with it. He looks unstoppable, undeniable, indomitable. He looks great. He, he does can, look good. Jim Ross congratulates Sid, but asks if he has any remorse for what happened to Jose Lothario. Mm. Sid respects Jose, but getting on the apron made him part of the game. 
He then grants Shawn Michaels a rematch. I've beat you once. I'll beat you again because I'm the master and the ruler of the world. I think at one point he tries to get the crowd to chant it, but I don't think the crowd quite know what to chant. Yeah. Because I am the man, the man, the master and the ruler of the world. Oh, that was the one we were going to do that one. And and the fact that you know, Sid did come out to a big pop, but he's meant to be a heel. And he's and they're just like, oh, do you have any remorse for giving that old man a heart attack? And he was like, oh, no, I really respect him. Um, but he was their game. And I was like, yeah, I'm agreeing with the heel here. Yeah. <laughs> so... all, all the optics are wrong. For, for, if you're pushing him as a heel, all yeah. the optics are wrong here. Yeah. Um, Bret Hart is the, the next challenger by all accounts. Lots of people are coming forward, but by virtue of beating Steve Austin, Bret Hart is next in line. Sid speaks to Bret, which I've copied verbatim. <laughs> I was hoping you would. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're trying to make reputation through going through this door. Your wrestling comeback in the wrestling World Wrestling Federation will end like that on December 15th. Because you have to face me, Bretman, Hitman. You will f- have to face me, the master. The game is simple, my friend. Two men enter, one man survives. When the smoke clears, I'll be standing, for I am the master and the ruler of the world. Jesus. <laughs> this. <laughs> It's like two different people because I thought the first half of this promo was quite good, and then the second half he went, "Oh, I'm gone. I'm Sid. <laughs> Better do a Sid promo." I like when he called him Bretman. <laughs> Bretman. It's like it's like he's got to call him Bartman, but you know he's five years too late and he's got it mixed up. <laughs> this smacks of somebody, and I and I I remember reading this, and I think there's some truth to it. But if you find that you're listening to somebody who's merging two or three words together when they're talking about something, it's because they feel uncomfortable talking about it and they want to just get through it, which means that sometimes they'll clump words together mentally. So they just want to just speed through the process. And I think that this didn't feel like this felt like Sid was given a promo to say, and it's not his if he'd been given a bit more free reign to tell it his way, it might have been less clunky. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like we were saying about the optics being off as well, he was asked if he's going to be a fighting champion, and he said, I'll be a fighting champion for the people. I was like, oh, I forgot that bit. Yes. So for somebody who's a baby face, he said, you people got me here. You people made me me champion. I'll be a fighting champion for you. Yeah. What are you doing with this guy? Yeah, just just let him be Sid and scream a bit and then whisper and then scream a bit more and then whisper and then go... And then, but they've over-egged the pudding there. Shades of grey all, all around. We've got Steve Austin working as a heel, who is <laughs> ostensibly a baby face. And you've got Sid as a heel, ostensibly, Sid as a face, ostensibly a heel. Yeah. It's 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 like they've put the belt on him, but they've gone, oh shit, we haven't actually decided what we want to do with him. Oh, but, and, and also when you think that Vince was so keen to make sure that everyone knows what a brilliant bloke Shawn Michaels is. Yeah. He doesn't. I don't really want to see him beat Sid. I think Sid seems lovely. Yeah, Sid seems like a nice chap. <laughs> like a lovely, I'd invite him round for for a cup of tea every day. He seems lovely. Every he, day, just, and he has to come every day. He has to come every day. At the Otherwise, same time, you'll start spreading salacious rumors about him being a prick. <laughs> I have pictures of him, which I photoshopped, which I will share with the world, unless he comes round for a cup of tea every day. Oh, they're photoshopped. I thought he actually did strangle that giraffe. Well, you and I know he didn't, but the rest of the free world, no one listens to this, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
And if you are listening to this out there, keep it under your heart, okay? If you're listening um, to this out there, I'm going to find you. I'm fucking killing you. He will as well. Every If you're listening, then I'm going to find you. You're not meant to be listening to this. You might not find me when I've run away to the forest, but <laughs> you will find the listener out there. I'll... You know, keep it zipped. Me and Pachiti have a meeting coming up soon. We're going to talk about how, like, how to improve. Uh, it's done. It's, we're very proud of it, but how how we can further expand uh, listenership across all formats. And uh, I think me threatening people, if you listen, I will kill you, is a really good way to do it. That is, yeah, you've you've got my attention. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know anybody that wouldn't listen under the threat of death. And I, I'm off next week, so I'm not going to be threatening people, but I will run away to the woods. So it's up I to would you hope to so. To, I, oh, well, don't worry. Continue the podcast. Last time you were here, I put a tracker on you. I know exactly where you are at all times. Oh, you bastard. You sneaky bastard, Tom Campbell. <laughs> Do you not wonder why my hands were cold? Anyway, that's raw. This <laughs> They're so small, I didn't feel the mentor. Fair point, well made. <laughs> That's that's hey, that's 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 why I'm, that's that's why part time I'm an excellent gynecologist. That is, <laughs> I say excellent. Um, that is raw for this week. Did you enjoy raw this week, Jack Atkins? I thought it was solid. I think um, for most of 1996, the post pay per view editions of raw are very solid. The focus, they're like, right, we want to hit this point, this point, and this point. Let's keep storylines moving. And unlike some of the other weeks recently, they weren't cutting away to too much shit at all times and it flowed nicely. And yeah, uh, but when you look back at it, you're like, what was the major angle? The major angle really was Ahmed Johnson coming back, but they've managed to kind of build a bit in the tag division, put over Shawn Michaels as a man's man, put over Sid as a lovely man, put <laughs> Brett over as a Brett man and get Austin in there with Mankind and Taker. So it did, it did a lot for the time. It sets the table for what is to come. Obviously, Steve Austin uh, firmly supplanted in the mix with some of the big hitters. Uh, Sid as as a babyface champion, whether you, whether that was the plan or not, that's kind of what it is now. That's what we've yeah. got. Sid as a babyface champion. Uh, and whilst the Farouk and Savia match wasn't, in my opinion, the best, <laughs> I love the story that we're telling with Farouk. There is some yeah. some exciting things are popping in the WWF heading into 1997. Mm, and like we said, there was no Sean on this episode there was no triple h there was no mark marrow there was no obviously vader's out injured so uh nothing more for billy gunn <laughs> but i don't think we'll get much of him on raw for a while but there's still other stories they can tell in the next couple of weeks as well so yeah they they, they pace it well they pace it well and we will tell those stories with you on the Cultural Classic Raw Review next time we are together. Mm. Uh, anything you want to shout about, Jack Atkins? You're off um, next week. You do anything nice? It's, I'm turning 35. So the day this is scheduled to come out is the last day of me being 34. And then I will turn oh. 35 and I will retire from my Premier League football career. <laughs> and I will uh, go into punditry. Um, so, but um, <laughs> I'm excited for your punditry run. Thanks. Um, obviously, I had the. Um, you and I are now both canon as part of the OSW universe, which was a, a massive thrill for me because. Congratulations um, I, on your Hartford canon scene. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will let you make that joke until the end of 2023. <laughs> and then it is not allowed to be made again until all in next year. Um, 
You realise how much I am pulling for you to sit in the press conference at All In 2024 and ask the same question. Oh, fuck me. I am God. really rooting for so, you, mate. I was terrified <laughs> knowing... I was terrified knowing this episode of OSW's coming out because I spoke with um, Jay Hunter and uh, and uh, V1 and they were lovely lads, but then obviously they were sat right behind me as I asked a shit question. But, oh, fuck. They're going to put the fucking boots into us for being shit at our jobs, but they were really complimentary about us in the podcast. So thanks, lads. They're very um, lo- they're lovely, OSW. Big fans yeah. of OSW. So we're, we're both candidate in the OSW Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, boy, we made it. We're officially what about, in. What about yourself, though? What have you got on the on the wire? Uh, on the <laughs> the wire was the name of the first place I ever did a breakfast show. One hundred seven point two. The wire um... <laughs> in Baltimore. Sadly, not in Kidderminster. No. Okay, uh, nowhere near as exciting. So the third and final part um, of. Punk Vember is now on the podcast feed waiting for you. It is oh, yes. sat there waiting for you. And uh, thank you very much to Aidan Gibbons, who wrote a 15,000 word dissertation on CM Punk's AEW run that myself, Aidan Gibbons, and Fraser Porter uh, critiqued and analyzed uh, mm. over basically nine hours. Uh, you can hear the third and final part on the podcast feed now. If you didn't listen to any of them, you wanted to hold off, right? Get this. There's a fucking omnibus episode that's going out on sunday that i think does clock in at about nine hours fantastic because i've listened to half of the first one and i need to catch up but it was very thorough work from aiden this hmm. has been in the weeds for a while because obviously i work very closely with aiden and he's just like oh i've got to i've got to fuck off and just read and research about phil brooks being a bastard i was like you you go you weird little man you go <laughs> You go, you weird little man. Yeah. Off you run into the woods, you. Off you pop, you little Off fucker. you pop into the woods, you little tinker. Um, otherwise, not a, a massive amount this week to plug. There's plenty more to come down the line. It is, by my standards, quite a quiet week. I hope you have a sit down. Have a sit down, Tom. I'm having one now. Have a relax. Have a non-work sit down <sighs> at some point. Have I did a digestive. An, I had a much. whole day off last Sunday. Did you actually? I had a whole day off last Sunday. And what did you do? I did. I played uh, a little bit of uh, Disco Elysium, mm. which was nice. Uh, we watched a lot of episodes of the Gilmore Girls, <laughs> and uh, I cooked a, a cooked a beef pasta bake. Oh, very nice. That sounds that like was, a lovely day off. It was a lovely day off. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so we did. All, so I've done, I did that, and that's my day off now until January. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the day off, I agreed to basically work most days over Christmas that weren't Christmas Day. So that was how I spent my, my day off. Of course, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> it's a horse, of course. Uh, but there's obviously plenty happening on the podcast feed, on the YouTube channel, all that good stuff. And for the latest mm-hmm. wrestling news throughout the day, you can check out cultaholic.com. He is at Brat underscore Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Gowan on Twitter together. We're at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Order in my court, you bastards. Order in my court. The top's oh, oh. coming round. Order some stuff in, and I'll see if Bruce Hart can get it fired up at Stuffing King. But uh, <laughs> we're out of nutmeg, so nutmeg king is closed until further notice. <laughs>
<laughs> but I can't do that one because I'm not good at football. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> 